0: Hey, it's me. What's up, everybody? It's Joe, the MMA Frequency is back again this week for another episode. The UFC's foreign tour is continuing. We did a Holloway versus the Korean zombie last week, which I am here to talk to you about. And then we go abroad to the beautiful. Oh, we go to the City of Lies, to Paris, there is a UFC main card in uh, Paris, Paris, France, we are going to watch all the shitty uh, French fighters, as many as they can shove onto their card as possible. <laughs> but, first, there was a Singapore card last weekend, it was alright, there was a lot of drawn out decisions, and a lot of heavyweight nonsense. Lots of heavyweight nonsense, so let's get into the heavyweight nonsense right now. Waldo Heads, where are you all at? I'm right here. Waldo Cortes Acosta took like 12 leg kicks and was hobbling around, just chucking combinations at Lucas Breschke from halfway across the octagon. But the second any of his punches landed, there was just visible discomfort on Breschke's face. He was not enjoying it. He caught a kick from Breschke. Hit a counter right over the jab, and our, our our Polish friend was literally like I he like wobbled his way to the floor. There was a cod kick counter that hurt him, and then he got a big right hand over the jab, and he just basically belly flopped onto the ground. There, I don't know, I don't know. This Waldo guy he can he can throw strikes in combination. I don't think he's going to end up being much good, but maybe? Maybe? Junior Taffa beat up on one of our resident UFC heavyweight jobbers, Parker Porter. Kind of incredible that he, Parker Porter has been TKO'd by Junior Taffa and his brother, Justin and just like some random dude. Some win over a dude that does not have a Wikipedia page sandwiched between the losses. And luckily, this clown show took place in about half the time. Uh, Tava hit him with a big knee early in the fight. And he just clobbered him, cold clocked him in about a minute and a half. Which is, mercifully, half the time this other foot fight took. Uh, another, I'm glad we just got that out of the way. Heavyweight nonsense continues to be heavyweight Nonsense. Aaron Blanfield versus Talia Santos. Interesting fight? I can call it an interesting fight. It was an interesting performance by Santos, even though she wilted under the pressure. It was pretty clearly wilted under the pressure. She held up decently. She kept the fight off the ground, but she could not keep it up the, off the cage. She was lighting Blanfield up for the first, yeah, about like a round and a half. And, you know, fast combination, striking at range, leg kicks... But eventually, Aaron just kept putting it on the fence over and over and over again. And and Santos' gas tank just, just was completely depleted. But Blanchfield didn't exactly look great in victory. The only time she got the fight to the ground, Santos looked good up against the fence. But Santos reversed her and tried to, like, she reversed her up against the cage. And I think she was trying to go for, like, a body locks throw or something. And. Blanchfield just kind of muscled her to the ground and just landed on her, and that's what won her the second round. And that's Blanchfield was completely selling out on every takedown attempt. She went 0 for 12. She kept throwing the inside trip. Even a few times, she got her. She locked her hands and tried to lift Talia, and pick her up and drop her. Nope. Really good de- takedown defense by Talia Santos. To be completely honest, Aaron did land the biggest fight of shot. She landed the biggest shot of the fight in the last about 10 seconds. Uh, just like a big right that dropped Santos. So it didn't she couldn't really capitalize on it. Interesting performance by both girls. Aaron Blanchfield's hands are okay. I I mean, listen, if she fights somebody with worse takedown defense, she'll probably do fine. She's probably got the next fight against Alexa Grasso, I guess. Or Valentina. Who knows? Uh, Renia Nakamura. Definitely a legitimate UFC prospect. I felt so bad for Ferdy Garcia because he was getting beat up, and Saif Sayud was just screaming at him from the cage cage side the entire fight. Kind of just like berating him. Like, get up! Get up! Get up! And then when he was on the field, like, throw! Throw! It was. I'd be a little stressed out too if I was fighting a guy as good as Nakamura. And that's, I honestly kind of feel like he was, not toying with him, but like, we saw what he could do in less than a minute. He's got knockout power in the hands. And now he's demonstrated his grappling and wrestling on a UFC main card stage. And he did look sharp. A lot of solid body kicks, a lot of leg kicks. Never really in any danger from the striking of Garcia. His takedown entries were all excellent. He was beautiful. His first takedown attempt, he went he went low on the single leg and then dropped down on the single leg to collect both legs and he like scooped them so that Garcia was like horizontal to the ground just like posting up with his arm it was beautiful little stuff he was throwing the guy around the cage Uh, I I like that he kind of hovered in north-south he used that as like his consolidation position and he would go from one side control on one side to the other side uh, great body knees from side control. He was hunting very well for like, advanced positions, going for crucifixes, trying to get like straight arm bars, key locks, a bunch of stuff like that. And when Garcia tried to scramble up, he always grabbed a new position, got on the back. I guess my one complaint is that he wasn't really active enough with his hands. He might have been able to put Fernie Garcia out on the ground if he threw a couple more of those big elbows. Or even, yeah, like... I don't think he wanted to rush in and blitz in on the feet, but he might have been able to just knock this guy out cold. It was a really, really good performance by Nakamura. We're going to just kind of like put the push pin in this guy. We're going to pin him up on the wall. Interesting prospect for the future. Poor Garcia. They put him against like three (laughs) big-time wrestlers in a row. Womp womp. Enjoy fighting in like CFFC or something, buddy. Another point for me on the scorecards uh, Giga Chicante versus Al Because this is pretty much exactly how I labbed it up last week. Caceres did look good to start the fight, circling away from Giga, staying on the outside, coming in at like weird angles to land shots. But he wasn't pressuring hard enough, he wasn't hitting Giga hard enough. And eventually, Giga just kind of took control of the fight at range in the kickboxing. His chin looked really solid every good shot he landed. Kind of wobbled Caceres and sent him flying back. And nothing Caceres landed really wobbled him. It wasn't a great performance, but he built on the lead as the fight went on. And eventually he was touching him up in the third round. And Alex did stay competitive-ish, and he stayed dangerous. So I understand Giga being a little gun-shy. But it it was a fun fight. And that was the other thing. He kept his stance. Caceres was constantly standing... Opposite Giga and moving stances with him, so that his right side was not exposed to the body kick, which is really really smart. Because that liver kick, it's nasty. You'll die. But yeah, I, the MMA fan base so fickle, so fickle. I don't think Giga is super impressive, but everybody's like, oh, he couldn't, he couldn't even do anything about it. this guy. Oh, he sucks. He's always sucked. He's always been terrible. Ah, that's not what you were saying like two years ago, buddy. Co-main event. Light heavyweight magic. The meme magic of light heavyweight strikes again. But unfortunately, Ryan Spann has the fight IQ of a stain on the carpet and decided to follow Anthony Smith to the ground after he hit him with a counter left in the second round so hard that it wobbled the guy's fillings. Literally, he was like knocking teeth out of his mouth with that left hand. Uh, Smith won the first round. Hurt Span pretty bad with, like, leg kicks. He peppered him with uh, shots to the head. Just just hit him enough to win the round. And he did do damage in the first round. And then, yeah, in the second round, Span almost knocked this guy's head off his shoulders like a Mortal Kombat fatality and went, I know what I need. I need to bank some top control time. No, you don't. Stand him up. Stand him up. He didn't do anything. He landed some ground and pound. And then... Smith got back up, and Span spent the rest of the round being incredibly gun shy and not even really like moving in hard, which was weird. And that's like Anthony Smith's eye was like falling, it was like falling off of his face. And then the third round was essentially a rerun of the first round. Anthony Smith took back control of the fight, stayed on his bike, stayed away from Ryan Span, but with less action and less impactful strikes. Anthony Smith's Foiled again. Picking up another win. He gets to stay in the UFC for another three years. What a waste of my damn time. Ugh. But the main event made it all worth it. It was a really, really fun fight. And Chan Sung Jung went out on his sword. And at the very least, you got to respect that. Other than him rushing in and just trying to swing for the fences and do as much damage as he could. It was kind of a Max Holloway masterclass. Because even at the beginning of the fight, the zombie was in and out, in and out, trying to land heat, trying to rush in. And Max was keeping his composure, punishing him with counters. He was mixing up his targets beautifully. He started hitting the head and the body in individual. And then once he had established his targets and his range, he immediately just started... Shooting more data his way, he would faint low, hit high. He would start a combination low and finish high. He'd go head body head. He was doing a bunch of stuff like that. And zombie did have some interesting stuff going on. He actually did. He's sort of like copying Max a little bit. And like he would f- faint low and hit high. He also hit Max with a really really good hook off of the shift. He shifted into a, a, a different stance and followed through with a hook. So that was really really fun. There was some cool grappling too uh max dropped tkz with a right over the top and tried to darse him in the second round which literally would have been his first submission win in like a decade I've, I've never even seen i don't even think i've seen max go for a submission before but max started to really like pick him apart towards the end of the second round and i guess on the stool zombie just decided that he was going to have no more of this and he wanted to end the fight on his own terms, which I got to respect. So when the third round started, Zombie just ran at him, swinging with reckless abandon. Max was swinging back, hands down, no defense. There was actually an uppercut in this sequence that I saw was like, literally like a few inches away from chinning Max. And both guys giving as good as they got. And after every exchange, I was just put his hands up, put his hands up, more, more, run in, take a shot, land a shot, put, my, put, put his hands up, more. Give me more. And eventually he went down swinging, ran in one more time, Max chinned him with right hand, and he fell flat in his face. No follow-up shots, walk-off KO. Max knew what he had. (sighs) Fun fight, even though what I saw was going to happen was going to happen, that Max kind of had him outclassed, but... Win or lose, Korean Zombie is one of the greatest action fighters in UFC history. Cut off the gloves after this one. Rode out into sunset, retired. We love you, buddy. Uh, I was, I mean, that's like the, the fight with Max Holloway or <laughs> the fight with Jair Rodriguez. Instant classic. The seven-second KO of Mark Hominick. Lots and lots and lots of highlight, highlight real KOs in the fights on that guy's resume. So, good for him, man. Enjoy retirement, zombie. Now, we went to Asia and Singapore, but now we must take our plane and fly, fly to the beautiful, uh, the beautiful country of France, Francois. We are going to UFC Paris. It is Theodore Logan versus Sergei Spivak. They are fighting in the main event of this fight night. Oh, we'll be one of Vazelle? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. There are a couple interesting fights on this card. Uh, this guy, Morgan Scherer, is debuting. He's fighting Manolo Zucchini. I don't know if that's how I pronounce I'm Italian, and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. They're both debuting in the UFC, actually. Uh, Scherer is a former cage Warriors featherweight champ. And he looks like a well-rounded prospect. He's got a good amount of experience at, like, the Cage Warriors level and that, like, regional scene. He's got good power in his hands and at least seems to have some idea of what he's doing on the ground. Uh, My one major issue with him, though, he seems, like, very insistent on sitting and waiting for big shots from what I've seen. His footwork, his pace is impressive. He'll back a guy up against the cage with his feet and then not go for it in the hands. I, there was not a lot of tape that I was able to watch. I just watched his most recent fight, and it was impressive. He had good finishing instinct. Took took a guy out with a TKO after he got him down the ground, but I don't know. Uh, Manolo Zucchini, uh, he's a regional Italian fighter. There was no footage of these, this guy's fights, but he's got a lot of finishes on his record recently. Uh, for once, this seems like actual interesting UFC matchmaking. Hold on. There was another fight. Yeah, uh Taylor Lapolis, he's 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 been around the bend a couple of times. And he's fighting Cowan Lochran, who is also debuting from Cage Warriors. He's their bantamweight champion. And he is really like he's resume is all finishes. He's got one decision. There's the uh prelim opener. Taylor Lapolis, really, really bizarre story. UFC cut him when he was three and one and he's re debuting in the UFC. I think gonna be really, really. This one's gonna be a really, really interesting. Fight Scherer versus Zahini is gonna be a really, really interesting fight. The next one is literally it's it's just some some French guy was like. This this next one is just like a setup fight, and then Vulcan and Westomir versus Bogdan Guskov. Hopefully, once again, I got that name right. Originally, it was gonna be Vulcan versus Azamat Merzikhanov, which would, would have been interesting, but Merzikhanov Mur- pulled out, and now this uh, guy from the regional Russian scene. He is Uzbekistani, he's making his USA debut. And Guskov also has a decently impressive resume for USA debut. It's like 9 and 3, a bunch of finishes, a bunch of interesting finishes recently. Really, the actual story of this fight is Volkan Westemir, because poor, poor guy. He has looked severely diminished recently. He was beyond taking advantage of a horrific. Paul Craig game plan to sneak out a decision over him. He's been like, he's been like three and five since his title shot. He's getting fed to guys like Yuri, Ankolaev, Reyes, back when Reyes was good. And, yeah, I mean, if Paul Craig wasn't just attempting to roll around on his feet for three rounds, he would be on like a three or four fight losing streak. He's got one finish in his last eight, and he used to be the power puncher guy. I, I I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with Vulcan. I don't know if he's had like injuries or gym changes or something. I don't know. He might not have the juice to fight this guy. I I have no idea. It'll 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 be interesting. And then we've got Benoit Saint Denis versus Thiago Moises. <laughs> Benoit Saint Denis really hates Brazilian people. I don't know why. He finished uh, he finished Gabriel Miranda tapped out his mail bomb theme and now he's fighting Moises three three in a row. Uh, Moises is a really really good grappler. He's a great grappler and he's always a fun out but I i watched a couple of his recent fights really really impressive performances and then it looks like there's kind of like a blueprint totally laid out on him by Joel Alvarez Alvarez just kind of like bore down on the guy. There were a lot of impressive knees and elbows in that fight. Uh, Worked a good jab over him. And he's got all the intangibles, Benoit does. He's taller and longer than Moises, just like Alvarez was. Uh, Benoit has great striking. He's got power in his hands. He's a really good wrestler and a really good grappler. So he can pick up wins on the ground as well, but the game plan here seems pretty clear. Moises needs to bring it to the ground as quickly as possible. And Sandini needs to keep it away from the ground. He could probably compete on the ground, but if you've got such a big advantage in the striking, keep it on the feet, throw heavy pressure, prevent the fight from going to the ground, probably pick up an impressive win. Then this, this fight will also be a fun one. And then the co-main event. Oh, my poor, poor girl. Rosa Munoz, she is, she is lost. She has been lost. And she's fighting Menon Ferro. And Ferreau is definitely good. But a lot of her success, like you know, she's a tall girl for the division. And she's got a good one too. Like what else are you supposed to say? Her only finish is from a girl coming up from 115, and you know she seems moderately adept at you know like getting a girl up on the cage and clinching and stuff like that. And she can put on a pace. She can she can use the one two to drive a good pace. Uh, and you know I would suggest that she's going to lose this fight, but God only knows what has happened to poor Rose. It is kind of interesting because she's had a very storied career and she's still very young. She's only 31, but she fought like six times in five years since winning the belt. And I, wanted, I want to pray that it's just a game plan issue that caused her to be really inactive and not want to move forward with Carla Esparza. And you know, men Ferro, she doesn't have that problem. She's not a good grappler. There's nothing to be afraid of if you're rushing in on the feet against Ferro. So I I mean I want to say that hopefully we're gonna see an impressive return to form for Rose, and she's gonna light this girl up on the feet. But you know if he just like circles around Faro and throws weak jabs and a couple calf kicks and just kind of gets lit up by the one two the whole fight, she might really like not have the sauce anymore. Maybe it might be literally possible that like Trevor Whitman. Has done like an evil, like dark side of the force style plot to like steal all of the good fighting ability from Rose and Kamara Usman and like put it into Justin Gaethje. I, I don't know. It's it's entirely possible. And that fight will be good if it's good, and if it's bad, it will be bad. That's that's really my analysis for the the excitement level. And honestly, who's gonna win? You know, like if Rose shows up, she wins. If she doesn't show up, she loses. And then the main event oh we oui, we oui. oh Francois the greatest fighter still sure gone oh he's is, he's is a good fighter And here uh, he 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 he, he, he lost to Jean-Jean he 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 fight he he wrestle he do the jiu he use he the boxing very lucky that there nobody from France listens to This podcast very lucky that nobody listens to this podcast uh this one, I mean, is Cyril Gahn versus Sergey Spivak. This should be an open and shut kind of thing, but who knows? Maybe John Jones psychologically broke Cyril gone Maybe he completely and utterly shattered his self worth and self esteem. But listen, Sergey Spivak has exclusively fought jobbers in this division. He beat a very washed and very diminished Derek Lewis, but every time he's fought anybody legit, Tom Aspinall, even. Martian Tybora he lost to like he's I mean look at Augusto Sakai Jared Vendera Carlos Philippe like he's only ever fought jobbers and that's Sergey Spivak is one of those guys who KO'd Greg Hardy and we at the MMA Frequency will always thank him for that but Gon's got sharper hands he's got better grappling he should be able to just push the pace on this guy and probably finish him I think he's going to take his time with the two Vasa fight, and you know, put on a show, break him down, and finish him in the later rounds. But if Cyril is psychologically broken, that would sure be a bummer because he was one of the most promising heavyweight fighters before the John Jones fight. I ran through both of these cards awful quick. There's uh, no Bellator, no PFL, no one championship. Honestly, stick around for uh, future news on a future podcast because Bellator and PFL might might uh, soon be one company if uh, the the news I've been reading recently is true. But yes, the UFC next week, we've got UFC 293. Oh, out of Sonia versus Strickland. And that card looks terrible as well. So I put myself through it for the people. I do it for my fans I do it for even you the french mma fan your bad guys and your silly little hats I'm joe this has been another edition of the mma frequency and i'll see you next week bye bye God.